man, the temperature has actually gone down since I woke up this morning. How is that? <laughs> Jesus. That's not supposed to happen. No, that's not how it's supposed to work. Uh, welcome no, to no, Fatal no. Air, uh, season four. Are we on season four? Yes. Great. Yes. This is season four. Welcome. Season four. Thanks for listening. We made it so far. We did 50 episodes, Chris. That is a lot. I think that we, uh, we'll we get six seasons in a movie. That's uh, a... <laughs> That would be, I'd be down for six seasons and, a, and like, a, like a Christmas special. Yeah, that, um, yeah, we'll, 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 you know, we'll do that. We have a cup, we have another year before we have to worry about that. Uh, yeah, that's right. Today, when I first logged onto my computer, it was minus five degrees outside. Now, apparently, it's minus 10. That's uh, way too cold. Now, are we talking, uh, I'm talking with the wind chill or without the wind chill? I think this is with, I mean, let's see what we got going on here. Oh, I think that's with wind chill. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, there's a, a wind chill advisory thing today. I'm getting zero degrees Fahrenheit in Ann Arbor, which is still very cold. <laughs> it's still zero. Yeah, I think um I think I don't know, my little weather thing is it's it's cold is the gist. Yeah. Um and check. It, it's it's cold here too, but not so bad. The high is twenty eight, which is pretty cold, and but the low that's is only 15. practically swimming weather. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's barely right. freezing for a Michigander. I mean, you could just <laughs> you know, uh, my my brother has moved uh, to Minneapolis, and uh, that <laughs> even it's colder, cold there. Right? Even colder, yeah. It's not not good. So uh, let's see. What do we want to? We, we haven't talked in a while. Uh, do we have? We have a little bit of catching up to do, and then we have. Uh, a couple topic ideas. I do want to hear about your notes-based project management. Ooh, for sure. I also, I want to ask you about baking bread, which is something oh, that I know. I have, I can do hours on baking bread. Should we just start a new podcast right now? Accidental bread. <laughs> yeah, I would love to talk about bread, actually. Let's let's talk about bread for just a little bit, and then we uh, maybe we'll segue into your uh, your your horrible approach to project management. <laughs> People on the internet are very upset about my project management. People, yeah, there was a there's a great Twitter thread we'll have to throw in show notes. Um, so I decided I'm off this week. Uh, the university, you know, working for for U of M, the university to shut down this week before between uh, Christmas and New Year's. Which is actually, I, this is great. Like none of my other jobs so far have have had like have given me this entire week just off. Uh, so I'm really enjoying that. I decided that I was going to try to bake some bread. So yesterday, after I got back from my parents' house, I put together the ingredients for um, the like Mark Bittman's or the like New York Times cooking no need bread recipe, mm-hmm. uh, which is supposed to be pretty simple. Uh, I tried it a while ago and it didn't rise quite enough. And mm-hmm. so this time I used a tiny bit more yeast and I'm waiting longer uh, for it to rise. So after we are done recording here, I'm going to go like uh, it, it will have been about 18 hours and I'll go do, you know, whatever's next. Um, it's definitely it's definitely getting bigger in that bowl. Like nice, uh, like very noticeably. Nice. Um, OK, so what I would say is uh, it rising is a function of a few things. Um, I have this particular page of a book uh, that I will send you. Okay. Um, actually, I can send it to you right now. Um, I have it handy. Via we're um, talking Slack. I think. Um, which Which would you like? You know, you just gotta tell me. Uh, Slack. I, doesn't matter. Slack works. Cool. 
Right, so this is only the second loaf of bread that I've tried to make, and so I'm, t- I'm really not sure, you know, I don't know what, what all the variables are, uh, what pitfalls I should be avoiding, that kind of thing. The really nice thing about this um, little one-pager is it tells you, it's from a book, and it tells you basically all of the uh, possible pitfalls you could have. Like, if you have too small of holes, these, this could be your problem. If you have mm-hmm. too big of holes, these could be your problem, and so on, Wait, which is really nice. What do you mean, like bubbles in the bread? Yeah, exactly. How do I know if they're too big or too small? Well, have you seen other bread? (laughs) No, this is my first uh, my first bread. Well, but like you've eaten bread before. First time bread. Uh, Yes, I have. I have eaten bread before. Yeah, so you just base it on basically other stuff. So other bread. What this what this one pager says: um, poor volume could be too much salt, too little yeast, too little liquid, weak flour, under or over mixing, oven too hot. Under or over mixing, okay. Yeah, it, it's a very fiddly process. But essentially, um, there's a couple things that you should know. One is that the New York Times recipe is pretty good. The trick is that Dutch oven because it keeps all the steam in there. That part's really, really important. I, I, I did use one of those last time. Uh, so I, I think, I don't remember exactly, but looking at this chart right now, I think that my problem was probably, it, it could have been too much salt it could have been under or over mixing because I have no idea how much I'm supposed to mix this. Yeah. Um, I would also, I would guess it's cold there and inside your house is probably not super warm. It's probably in the 60s, maybe uh, Let 70s. me look at my, uh, uh, I have a temperature hygrometer thing somewhere, but I don't <laughs> know the, where it is. What's the relative humidity? Well, uh, in the, um, uh, <laughs> it's, okay, 70 degrees Fahrenheit and okay. uh, 20 20% humidity. 70 is is on the cool side for bread, but it just means you just mm. got to leave it for longer. You can do a cold proof in the fridge, which is 40 to 50 degrees, but you just, as you said, like you left it for 18 hours, you just have to leave it for a long time. And then, uh, yeah, this, so there's also this um, texture and crumb, too dense or close grain, too much salt, too little liquid, too little yeast. Those are probably not your issue because you're following a recipe. Under fermented, which I think was your problem, uh, and then under proofed. Um, or sorry, underproofed. I think is your problem. Under fermented is slightly different. Um, I don't know if you've learned the difference between fermenting and proofing yet. I uh, I I, I yeah, know so, that this is page forty, and it seems to be a chapter titled "Understanding Yeast Doughs." Uh, yeah. I do not. I, I I don't even know what fermentation and proofing mean in this context. Uh, fermentation is essentially your first rise, and proofing is your second rise. Oh, so after I do this, like, so I'm supposed to do something, uh, like fold this over and then wait another two hours. Yeah. So, so that that fold over is the distinction between fermentation. Oh, okay. So proofing is that next two hours before I put it in the oven. Exactly. Okay. All right. Oh, cool. So here I can tell, uh, so this chart will even let me tell like which of these two rising periods, uh, I, I left it for too long or too, uh, little. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's a pretty good little table. I use it, uh, and I send it to friends when they are having trouble debugging their bread. And uh, de- <laughs> debugging. Um, ho- I, I hopefully will not be literally uh, debugging. What, <laughs> yeah, ideally. What, what book is this from? So this is from Professional Baking, the sixth edition by Wayne Gleason. Huh. Okay. It's a weird little book. I, I collect antique, not antique, but like cookbooks from the 80s, and... In addition to looking really cool, they sometimes also have useful information in them. And this is an example of one that does both. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what kind of notes are you keep? What, like, if you 
bake a loaf of bread, what kind of notes are you keeping? Like, are you recording the temperature and exactly how long you left it for fermentation and proofing and all that so that you can like go back to those notes when diagnosing a fault? Or uh, are you like, I'm very much like, I haven't recorded any of that. I'm really kind of winging it here. Yeah, so I, I did have a notebook for a while, um, and I would write down the exact uh, recipe because I was tweaking the recipe here and there. I, I was having a lot of trouble with my first few breads. Um, as I proofed them, they were in a little like in a little cloth bowl, and when I flipped them, they would stick to the cloth bowl, and that would re- like mega deflate them, and so they come mm. out like, looking like pancakes. Yeah, it turns out that I needed rice flour because rice flour doesn't have any gluten in it. And that prevents any basically like gluey stuff from forming, which won't cause it to stick to this linen thing. So I had a number of problems. That was the primary one. Uh, But I was taking all kinds of notes, copious notes, trying to figure out like, what did I do wrong? So essentially, uh, I would write down the exact recipe because I was tweaking it, adding more water, adding more flour, changing the whole wheat to white wheat ratio. That was one. And then the times of how long I would proof and then the temperature of the bread at which I was proofing. The temperature, the ambient temperature is important, but the actual thing that's that's like affecting your bread is the temperature of the bread itself. Hmm. And so you'll find some bread nerds that are really, really sensitive about um, if their flour is a certain temperature, then they will add warmer water to the dough when they mix it. It's like that's how intense they are about like oh, fixing whoa. the temperature. And that totally I, makes sense. Right, exactly. Huh. Uh, what I end up usually doing is I have a um, a folding proofer, and so what it is is it's this box um, that folds proofer. up into something pretty flat. Yeah, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's a little on the expensive side. It's about 150 <laughs> bucks, but I make enough bread that like it is actually worth it, I think. And what it does is it can keep that little box to be an ambient temperature. So mm. you can keep it really warm for um, like in the 150 degree range for yogurts. But I keep it around 80 degrees for proofing. And that makes sure I get really consistent results um, without having to mess with water temperature or, like, uh, especially for beginners. Like, once you get a feel for the bread, you know when it's ready. Um, But when you're starting out, it's a little bit harder uh, to know when it's ready. So it's a little bit of a fancy gadget, but um, it folds down flat, and it makes really good bread. And all it does is proof. It It doesn't actually bake the bread. It just helps you proof the bread. So uh, I'm thinking here, in lieu of a uh, folding proofer, which I probably am not going to buy, and I don't know where I would keep it in my kitchen if I did, (laughs) uh, my stove has uh, pilot lights, so it's always just kind of fairly warm over the stove, even when, like, I'm not cooking anything, even when, like, the um, burners aren't turned on. Mm-hmm. So maybe uh, maybe just like having the bread sit on top of there where it's a little bit warmer uh, would be a nice fix for, for making bread, at least in the winter. Yeah. Uh, another trick that people often do is they will um, they will turn on the oven light, which actually emits a decent amount of heat, and then just put it in the oven. Oh, okay. That works. And that I mean, actually will get you kind of in an ambient warm range. That would work. And I mean, again, my oven has a, it has a pilot light. Um, it, I don't have a, like a... a a light for illumination. I, what do you call a not pilot light? Uh, there, there's uh, no, an oven light. <clears throat> yeah, there's no right. oven light. There's no lamp in there. Uh, but it gotcha. is kind of warm in there again because of of pilot lights. So maybe. Um, okay. Yeah, that might be the option. Yeah, then. that might the other work. thing is is you just do a cold proof, and you actually get better um, fermented flavors with the cold proof. So you get more tang, more sourdough. Oh, okay. Yeah, hmm. man. There's a there, there's a lot. Uh, 
a lot here. There is a whole, whole world. Um, I would recommend if you're going to get into it properly, there's this whole thing of sourdough and keeping your like mother dough alive. Um, the book I really like is the Tartine uh, bread book. Um, it taught me almost everything I know. And that, that's the book I would recommend if you like really, really want to get into this stuff. I think for now I'm probably going to uh, just try to get the um, the no need bread recipe working pretty well for me. Yep. Uh, I'll try, you know, if this doesn't work out, I'll, I'll figure out what to tweak and um, try to keep better notes at least for now. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. How did your um, how'd your crust come out? Was it crunchy? Uh, it was crunchy. Yeah, the crust came out okay. I really the problem was was uh, poor volume. I think poor volume bubbles. Yeah, yeah. I also used cool. uh, too much flour just on the like um, the part where it's sitting on a towel, uh, and so there was just a ton of flour sitting on the crust. Um, and I think that, that can be okay. That actually can be like kind of like an artisanal touch. Yeah, may, <laughs> maybe <laughs> there, there. It was a lot of flour. I'm gonna try a little bit less. Um, nice. It, it says generously coat a cotton towel with flour. I, I did it very generously. <laughs> I think I could yeah, do at, it just generously, and it would be okay. Nice. And if you do, um, if you do rice flour, you can use a little less and have even less sticking. Hmm, I'd have to go to the grocery store between uh, in the next two hours, though. Yeah, that probably won't happen. Yeah, we got a podcast to do. That's right. So for listeners who are very, very confused right now. Uh, we should note that we decided to change up the format a little bit for, for this season, for season four. That's right. Um, instead of doing like one topic per episode, we're going to try something a little bit more flexible. Uh, we were frankly running out of topics and uh, we didn't really know if we had 20 more topics for another season in front of us. So we decided to do something a little bit more freeform uh, where we just kind of hop on, talk about the things that we were working on that week, maybe talk about a couple side topics, a little bread. Uh, I, this, if this, um, if this six month season uh, is just like Chris's bread journey where we kind of check in on your bread every couple of every week or so, <laughs> that would be kind of fun. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about some, unrelated stuff and then we'll talk about some of the programming stuff that we've been up to that week uh and i think i'm excited about this format chris i don't know how you feel i'm excited about it too and like you said this really is because i know that a lot of you a lot of our listeners really appreciated the like in-depth technical topics that that we were covering especially like early in season one uh there just aren't too many of those that um or there aren't like 20 more of those that Sarush and I really feel confident that we can talk about for a really long time. And so we're going to try something a little more freeform where we, uh, like Sarush said, just talk about what's going on in our uh, programming lives, what's going on at work, what's going on um, outside of that. Because, and this is when Sarush and I talk to each other, we like don't, don't really get a chance to catch up outside of this podcast very often. Um, and hopefully it, it, works and uh you know please send us your feedback please let us know what you think and you know we will change it as as necessary as as time goes on would you talk about patreon i guess oh yeah let's so for those of you who are just joining us or for uh those of you who who have have forgotten about this or hadn't heard uh we have a patreon uh that's right um patreon is basically how we uh pay for this podcast to be made um it's how we pay for editing it's how we pay for our gear and if you want to support us there, you can go to patreon.com slash fatal error. And when you, um, when you 
pledge to the Patreon, you get an extra new RSS feed that not only contains all the episodes that you'll be hearing on the public feed, it also contains a bunch of episodes that are on the private feed. So every odd-numbered episode is going to be here on this public feed, and then there will also be even-numbered episodes as well as the odd-numbered episodes in the private feed, which are Patreon only. I feel like that was a bad way to explain the Patreon, but there you have it. Uh, if if you subscribe to our Patreon every other week, uh, the episode is only for Patreon subscribers, is what Sarish is trying to say. Yes, you get twice as many episodes. It's a pretty good deal. It's great. Uh, so with, with bread, the format, and Patreon out of the way... Uh, we can finally talk about the real stuff. Sarish, what are you doing with notes? <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Um, I, was our previous pa- productivity episode Patreon only or not? I can't remember. Mm, I think it might have been. Well, I think it was too. Well, I, I, hmm, I guess we should yeah. figure that out. Yeah, forty-eight. It was. It was okay. So, episode forty-eight. Um, we talked about productivity. I have a tough time with productivity. Uh, I can't find productivity tools that really work for me. Now, this was a Patreon episode, but basically to recap, Chris switched from OmniFocus to Things. And I was kind of finally, after maybe five years, admitting that things does not work for me. Um, I've I uh, spent a bunch of money on things. I spent a bunch of money on OmniFocus, trying to like commit to those platforms, and I never got them to really work for me. I, I could not remember to put stuff in. I didn't remember to take stuff out, and I didn't remember to do the reviews and the organizing and the tagging and the sorting. Um, and like I didn't add due dates to stuff, and I just wasn't taking advantage of the platforms because I just wasn't doing the work that it required to make it useful. And yeah, sure. And I mean, for all of my uh, sort of like jokey, like what are you doing using notes? It's a, like uh, the important thing with any of this, uh, which I think I mentioned in the the previous episode about this, is that you find something that works for you. Uh, I was like really kind of struggling to get OmniFocus to work for me. Uh, things really tends to line up with the way that that my mind wants to organize uh, my days and and keep track of things. And uh, if you're finding something that works well with another app, you know, notes or or something else, then uh, that I mean, that's great. And you should do it. Right. So um, as far as finding something that works for you, I really actually have, which I'm really excited about. Um, Notes is crushing it. And so I know that Apple has put some effort into Notes over the last several years. I understand that there are like maybe folders now and that there's some sort of like to-do list support in Notes. Is that correct? Yes. So basically Notes is now a pretty rich text. Like a, the, the text that you can generate is pretty rich. Uh, so the key features that like you need to make this thing work for you are you need folders, uh, which they added. You need – you can kind of instead of making bulleted lists or numbered lists, you can make like checkbox lists. And they're like really nicely rendered. You can tap on them and all that stuff. And so what I've done is my – basically all my reference documents. Um, so that's like stuff like my routing number for my bank. Um, the speaker bio that I sent to conferences, um, various recipes, things I want to remember um, that are like long term, those go into they're still in the notes section. You can't delete that notes folder, which is I would like to rename it reference, but you can't do that. Okay. Um, so those stay there, and then I made a new project called a uh, new folder called projects. And then I made a new folder called archive, and I made a new folder called long running. Okay. I like where this is going. Yeah. So basically projects holds all of my like current running projects. Um, those can be small in scale. I have one called cleaning. I have a friend visiting and I need to clean the apartment before he gets here. 
Um, or I have like one that's, you know, video editing, which is, which is like a six month project. That's like a big, long project. What's, what's the goal of the video editing project? Like how will you know when that's done or is it just sort of a like, uh, in OmniFocus parlance, an area of responsibility? It's a, it's a little bit more like an area of responsibility. Um, the, the nice thing is that it's not getting things done, so you don't necessarily have to have... I do like to have action items, but you don't necessarily have to have a goal for each project to say that, like, this project is done. Yeah. It can kind of just be, like, a running list of, like, this is some stuff that needs to happen. Okay. Um, and the video editing probably should move to long running, which is where my blog post list is. Again, those are things that do need to get done, but they're never going to be done, you know, as as a project. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So um, basically, once things are finished in terms of the projects, they go into the archive. And then long running is right now it's like blog posts, what movies I want to watch. Um, and that way I can kind of keep track of like, oh, I saw a cool trailer. Like, let me throw that in there. The nice thing about it is there's absolutely no structure that's enforced upon you. So you have titles, headers, and then like these checklists. So, you know, instead of having to wait whatever it was, six years for things to add headers into their mm-hmm. to-do list as like a feature. <laughs> it's just text. So you can just add headers wherever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can, you can add attachments as well, which uh, you actually cannot do in things. So you can't add an image attachment. I don't know if you can do that in OmniFocus. But you I can do that can. in OmniFocus. And that's one of, a, that's one of few features that I miss in things compared to OmniFocus. Uh, just uh, sorry to interject, but one of the other things that I miss in things that I wish I could do uh, is attach notes to um, area like so in things you can attach notes to projects, but for whatever reason you can't attach them to uh, what what's it called areas like a line item yeah oh, to an area yeah so like I can add a note um, let me fi- I can't find a good example here but you can add just sort of project notes to a project but if you have just like a general like uh, I don't know like reading list. Uh, area you can't attach notes to that interesting i never thought to do that and it doesn't um i i don't understand why uh i'm pretty sure that you can do this in omnifocus um and obviously if i were using a more free form uh you know notes or i really like the bear application for sort for notes and uh like keeping like just plain text reference material um, right obviously this would be something that like I would not be annoying me in there because I could just add add notes as I need to yeah because it's just text you know yeah being being able to like mix things in without much structure would be very nice right um yeah so yeah if you like bear and bears your jam do that I didn't want to pay a dollar a month for my um thing especially for my you know to do app when notes was probably gonna work pretty well the other thing about notes uh, that things and OmniFocus can't give you is collaboration. So you can actually share a note with another person and put a to-do list in there for both of you. And so that's really cool. So I will, uh, me and my girlfriend can have like a shared shopping list where if, you know, we just put stuff on there and then whoever goes to the shopping list can go to the shopping, uh, go do the shopping and check off the items on that list. Nice. So okay. that's something that you totally can't even do. Um, in addition, attaching uh, map links two places. So I have a project um, where if like there's a couple stores in the city I got to go to or like errands, that kind of thing, I can add actual map links uh, and then you can tap on those. They open and you can get directions and do whatever you need to do from there. Cool. Yeah. So it's pretty good. It's got a lot of features that things that OmniFocus don't have. It is also, of course, missing some features. But are you... I, so 
what are those features are you actually like do you find yourself missing because i think a lot of the so one of the main advantages it sounds like with notes is the sort of unstructured nature that that comes with it and a lot of the things in omnifocus features really are possible because of uh, because of the structure that comes with them and sort of keeping up with that structure was something that uh, you found you just like weren't doing for one reason or another. Right. Right. Uh, so, so what do you wish you had in notes that, uh, that OmniFocus or things could do for you? Um, there are things that I wish that I had, um, but not that many of them. So for example, like if you are a kind of person who likes to attach due dates to projects and you want your phone to like ping you when that due date rolls around, if you want um, to be able to sort by like due date or if you want to be able to like, you know, it is, it is ultimately just text so you can't do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or um, like how OmniFocus has, uh, you know, how you can kind of set geofences and you can say like, alert me about this to do item when I get to this geofence. Yeah. Um, you can't do that. Uh, the nice thing is reminders still does exist. So you can use reminders for the time and da- uh, the time and place based like to do items that you have. Okay. And that can be, that can be kind of nice. Is there any sort of integration between reminders and uh, notes like within the Apple ecosystem? Like if you're looking at a note, can you say, remind me about this in uh, five days? No, you, uh, actually, that's a good question. I bet you can do that, but there's no other integrations that I'm, that I'm aware of. Okay. I, cause I know yeah. that, you know, Apple has been adding the, like, remind me about, um, uh, you know, this, whatever I'm looking at on the screen in five days. And that uses, right. uh, w- what's the API that that uses? Like, like activities, I think, or, um, NS activity? Maybe. Is it, is it activity? I don't know. I'm not an iOS developer anymore. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's UI activity. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing that powers like handoff between devices. No, it's not UI activity. Um, it's something. It's definitely something. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll Google handoff after this and add it to the show notes. Yeah, God, we're really bad programmers. But, I'm just a productivity guru now, so I'm not actually responsible for that's uh, right. I'm, uh, yeah. <laughs> NS user activity. That's it. Yeah, that's the one. NS user activity. Anyway, so uh, so you for basically for free with um for apps that support handoff, you can get this like remind me about this in in a couple days, and I'm wondering if Notes supports that. An NS user activity object provides a lightweight way to capture the state of your app and put it to use later. It's, uh, yeah, like a, <laughs> yeah, kind of like, yeah. like a glorified dictionary, right? Um, yeah, in a lot more of or ways. less. I guess that describes most objects. Um. <laughs> <laughs> a glorified dictionary. Uh, and yeah, uh, and my productivity system is just a glorified notes app. Yeah. Yeah. And so you've been doing this for a while now, right? Maybe like two months now. Okay. That's working well. Yeah. It's working pretty well. So I have like, it's one of the other things that's really nice about it is all of the like hotkeys and key commands that you're comfortable with on the keyboard for editing text in iOS just work, right? So you can do something like triple click a line to select the whole line, drag down to select multiple lines of like any to-do list. And then I'll do like a quick like command X, uh, command uh, to cut, command N to create a new note, command V to paste. So now those items have moved to a new list, and then I'll quickly drag that over to the archive folder, and then those items in that list are now like archived. So you can like kind of archive part of a list very quickly just because you're familiar with how to like navigate through text in iOS. 
it's not like a forced situation where like if your to-do list application doesn't support hitting enter to like leave this line of this to-do item and create a new to-do item underneath it like things does support that but other ones don't and so like if that's not there then you feel Mm -hmm. like oh i can't really maneuver through this list the way i want it's just text so you can just maneuver through it any way you want um and all your hotkeys of like editing text of like grabbing multiple lines like let's say holding shift and hitting down um to get one line at a time like all that stuff just works uh, and you can like really quickly move stuff around and and manipulate it in a way that you're really familiar with. Cool. Uh, yeah. I, I'd also I'd throw in like on OS 10, uh, you can something I've done in the past uh, when I was using NVAlt uh, is to like basically add features for common operations. I would you know you can write Apple scripts and use something like Fast Scripts to activate them and basically send whatever keyboard shortcut sequence you need to accomplish your goal. Uh, that is a really good idea. So, like in NVAlt, I had you know every note is backed by a file on uh, just a text file on the file system, and so to move things to like an archive folder when I was done, uh, rather than like right clicking the note and saying show in Finder and then dragging it to the archive folder, uh, I created an Apple script that like that just did that but via apple script like open this show this note in finder uh move it to the archive folder close that finder window switch back to nvalt uh and you know if there are like repetitive actions like that that you find yourself doing that may be an avenue to explore yeah for sure that is i would say the number one thing that i miss about um like a a more traditional to-do app which is that like it has hotkeys for doing stuff um well you can just just write your own to-do app in apple script that's right this is (laughs) now this is a genius idea because that is how omnifocus started did you know that yeah absolutely it so omnifocus started because a bunch of people had put together more and more complex apple scripts for managing an omni outliner document to keep track of tasks in the like gtd system and uh omni saw that and uh and decided to like make a whole separate application uh so now people are no longer or by and large like no longer have to use apple scripts plus omni outliner as a to-do list yeah that's right it's called gtd kinkless oh okay i didn't know that gtd kinkless don't don't kink shame me I'm I'm not I'm not whatever you want to use uh, notes that's that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is really old. This stuff is from like the mid 2000s. Um I'll I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that you can kind of kick, kick off your own uh little little search and exploration about it. But um for the most part this stuff has all been replaced by OmniFocus, but this is how it all started. So Yeah. Yeah. Really old mid 2000s. <laughs> yeah, so old. We were all little babies back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what I've been doing for, for, uh, for productivity. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad that's, I mean, I'm glad you found something that, that, uh, is working for you. So people on the internet got really, they got really upset about it. Well, I mean, and we can add a note to that thread. Uh, but eh, I mean, people, people on the internet are going to be upset and, uh, that's why I said before, like, the important thing is that something's working for you. Like, we're, we're not prescribing that this exact setup is going to work for anyone else. Just, yeah. like, things and uh, doesn't work for everyone and OmniFocus doesn't work for everyone. You know, it's whatever whatever works for you works for you. And, uh, yeah, I, and, and that is, frankly, like, how I felt. I felt like I was being prescribed OmniFocus. And I was like, and it's just, I was like, this doesn't work with my brain. Like, I can't. I, I, I can't bring myself to do daily reviews. Like, who's got the time for daily reviews? Um, 
And I couldn't even do weekly reviews. I was like, some weeks I'm not here. Some weeks I am here. Like, how can I schedule this? Oh, yeah. My my OmniFocus usage devolved into, like, every four monthly reviews, <laughs> which I don't think is how it's supposed to work. No, I don't think so either. And so basically what happened was that we were at iOS IRL, um, and I was kind of talking about this, and uh, Matt Bischoff kind of overheard me. And I didn't say these words exactly, but the gist of what I was saying was that Notes is OmniFocus. Um, kind of in a in a slightly trolling manner, and um, so he tweeted that, and people people got really upset. And they were like, "What's going <laughs> on? What's happening?" But yeah, it's like actually working. Oh, also, let's not forget that in uh, notes you can now scan stuff, and the scanning is actually super good. You can sketch stuff, which I don't think you can sketch stuff in OmniFocus, my friend. You can only do that in notes. Well, that's true. You can't. Uh, you could attach an image of something that you sketched to <laughs> something in OmniFocus. Uh, and you can also pin notes to the top. So I have like a running list of like these are the things that I'm like up to. You know, it's called, or it's, it's titled as early December. It's kind of late December now. <laughs> so I can just go ahead and update that title. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, and and I, I just think there's no prescription about There's no, like, if you want to make a note about, you know, three things you want to cook next week, you can do that. Like, it's just a note. And there's no, like, it's not a project. It has a completion date and, like, or whatever. It's just some things, I'm, I'm, just some things that you're writing down to remember. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's it's great. Good. Yeah, so I think you could do similar stuff in Bear. I've never really used Bear in any serious way. I mean, so I I do really like Bear. I've been using it not really for to do lists because because I'm using things for that, but just for like general notes, keeping reference information around. Uh, maybe if there's something like you know three things I'm thinking about cooking that that goes in Bear. Uh, it it is a really nice app. It's really well done. I love that it's you know Markdown based. Um, and uh, synchronization works better than almost any other app that I've used. Uh, it really, it, it, it's a very nice product. Uh, I, I have to give it a shout out here. Yeah, I hear, I hear a lot of good things about Bear. Maybe I should look into Bear. And again, if Notes Not is bad. working for you, then uh, it's, it's working for you. Yeah, don't mess with don't mess with something that works. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Should we wrap up? Uh, I think so. I have two two bits, uh, two more bits that I want to throw into this episode. Absolutely. Uh, first, how is your uh, server doing? <laughs> oh, uh, not good. Um, no, not bad. Uh, have we talked about this on the show yet? No, I don't think we have. But uh, it came up in the Twitter thread about notes being OmniFocus. That's right. It totally did. Um, so. Essentially, what happened was that a few months ago, my server got hacked by Chinese hackers. They basically uh, brute forced it. Um, they figured out the root password. And I know, don't at me, you're not supposed to have root uh, enabled on SSH. I know. You know so but I had a good password. limiting. Yeah, I feel like it should come standard. Anyway, um, <laughs> I thought I had a good password. It was like seven characters, not an English word, number, three numbers. Wait, uh, seven like characters? Yeah, seven like letters, seven letters, three numbers, and one punctuation. That's uh, okay. What was an English word? Anyway, I thought it was a good password. Eleven <laughs> characters, not not a good password. So um, I basically like tried to tried to like and I tried to fix my server, and I succeeded for a while. Um, changed the root password. They were locked out. But then I got these updates from Rackspace that my server was actually um, DDoSing Sony. Uh, so it was a part of a giant botnet. 
which wasn't good. And so I had to transfer everything off of it. Uh, and, and most of the things that were on there were static sites. So I moved them all to GitHub pages and shut down my server, which is good. But GitHub pages doesn't support plugins, which uh, I need for a few of the things that I do, including tag pages on my blog. So if you try to go to tag pages on my blog in the last few weeks, you've noticed that they don't work. So I have one project here that says called Fix Server, and the first line item is Get Linode Instance. So that's my first step to to getting to getting this server back up and running. I'll th- I'll throw a couple links about uh, putting together a good SSH setup in the show notes yeah. too. One of these line items is give it a big tough password. <laughs> Just d- d- if if you if you think you can deal with uh, doing uh, public key authentication only, not password based SSH auth, uh, that will. Um, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, that makes it i mean you you know you could set a much longer password you can use a fail to ban to make it so that people like can't effectively brute force the password uh and or you can just make it so that you can only log in with a public key not with a password at all gotcha gotcha yeah fail to ban would have been really helpful because i i tailed the logs and it was like more than a month that they were just hammering the server <laughs> just trying to guess just trying to guess the password yeah and like they were just slamming it. So yeah, but those are my yeah. th- that advice plus disabling root login via SSH. That's the like minimum viable steps to keep this from happening in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think just fail to ban would have would have solved this particular problem. But yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so, but defense in depth. Uh, those three steps should make it uh, should should absolutely keep this from happening again. Defense in depth. That's right. That's good. That's pretty good. Second, you have, you said you have one other. Um... Uh, second note: Do you ever use a do not disturb mode on your iPhone? On your iPhone ten uh, X. My ten X is doing well. Um, okay, so he I do actually something a little bit um, oh, unorthodox. Shout out to Ben Rice McCarthy for for teaching me this trick. So. What I do is, um, in the sound and haptics preferences, there are two options, vibrate on ring and vibrate on silent. And I actually turned off vibrate on silent. And so when my phone is on vibrate, like when the mute switch is off, it makes no sounds. Huh. So, and so what that means is I have like instant physical access to do not disturb, more or less. That's interesting. This also means that, wait, so... This means that you don't have a mode where your phone just vibrates and doesn't make noise, though. That's right. Hmm. Hmm. Because my thinking is anytime there's like no situation where I want my phone to vibrate but not make noise. Like if I'm in the movie theater, like you don't need to vibrate because then it'll just stress me out and then I'll have to look at it and somebody's going to yell at me. Um, <laughs> so, or like if I'm in a meeting, like I shouldn't be checking my phone. Like it just stays in the pocket. Huh. So that's how I do it. And then like I have like full on mode, which is and, and then the other interesting part is it's almost always on silent. So it actually just barely ever makes any noise. Hmm. That's interesting. Now, it's, it's not like Do Not Disturb in a few ways because the screen still turns on, which I don't think it does for Do Not Disturb. And then um calls can't punch through it the way they can with Do Not Disturb. Right. So with DND, either VIPs or people that call multiple times can punch through. Right. And uh this doesn't support that. Okay, that's. I'll, I'll think about this. I'm not. I don't. Don't know if I'm sold, but this is an interesting idea. Uh, do you have a do not disturb scheme? I have a do not disturb complaint, which is that uh, 
where in like on all the other devices which don't have notches when you turn on do not disturb there's a little icon that shows up up in the status bar mm-hmm. um on the iphone 10 there's no like the little moon doesn't show up in the status bar there's no indication that you're in do not disturb mode and so That's like really annoying and so it's, it's really annoying there have been several days now when i like it's three in the afternoon and i realize i haven't i've like missed calls and texts because uh my phone's been in do not disturb since the previous night at like 11 at night Right, and I just forget to turn it off because there's no indi- like there's no reminder to do that. Uh, and I, I googled around to see if there are any like any tweet like anything you can do to get an icon to show up, and it's just a bunch of people complaining about the same thing. I wonder if maybe I can set do not disturb to always turn off at a certain time. I like I don't want it to turn on at a sub- at at a certain time always, but um. Okay, yeah. I have an idea. Yeah. What if you set it to turn on automatically at 6.30 and turn off at 7? Yeah, that could work. Or, like, turn on at 4 a.m. Because, I mean, if I'm ever awake at 4 a.m., I should, like, I should not be. Something's definitely wrong already. Yeah, maybe I'll try that. That's that's an idea. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been rough. Let me tell you, my life is... <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> um <laughs> I I also have a similar status bar complaint, which is that the network activity indicator now doesn't show up. Yeah, ever. Well, so it's like, is that oh, really there, a problem? I mean, I, I I have one specific situation where I where I do like it on. Okay, so you're in Tweetbot, you load up a thread. It's something controversial, something political, and you're looking at the reply. The reply seems juicy, and the original tweet seems even juicier. But Tweetbot doesn't tell you it doesn't have any indication that it's loading that previous tweet and so you just kind of have to like pull down on the little scroll view and keep it stretched until it loads Hmm. to see when it actually pops in oh yeah with the network activity indicator you could tell it was doing something so maybe it was loading that thing but once the activity indicator stopped you knew okay well this person deleted it because it was too spicy and um (laughs) and and, and now it's you know no longer fit for public consumption so i'm never going to get to read it um, this sounds... I'm going to go find their enemies and find somebody who screenshotted that tweet and so that I can actually look at it. This sounds like a Tweetbot problem, not an iOS problem. <laughs> it is a Tweetbot problem, yes. But, like, I used to use iOS to fix it, and now iOS has taken that away from me. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Tweetbot also just doesn't handle threads very well. Yeah, it's not great. I think it's, I think it's partially the API's fault. Though. I'm sure it is, yeah. I, like, yeah. Um, last note is um, if you open... Uh, control center, you'll see all of the icons in the status bar there. And oh, I know that's not immediately obvious. So that's not perfect of a solution, but that is a solution. Well, if I open control center, I'll also see that the do not disturb thing is selected. Like that's, that's also fair. Um, that's definitely fair. By the time I've gotten here, like it's no yeah, longer it's an issue. All yeah. right. I'll, I'll try some scheduling related tweaks and, uh, and report back. Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, so this has been uh, our productivity podcast. Yeah. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed it. Tune in this time next week for some uh, hot Apple script ticks. Ticks and trips. Ticks and trips from Saroosh. Ticks and trips. Uh, we, we mentioned this on the private, uh, the, the Patreon episode that we did kind of in mid-December, but uh, the, the breaks are always so hard because we go so long without talking to each other. And I just, I'm bursting with things to share with you. I know, me too. Uh, I haven't even told yeah. you about my espresso machine. Oh, boy. 
Topic of next 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 uh, next episode: espresso machines. Excellent. I have a great hot chocolate recipe using the uh, steam wand of an espresso machine. I am going to need to uh, hear this. Absolutely. Until next week. Talk to you later. Bye, Chris. Bye.